Paleo Hackers, welcome back to another episode of the Paleo Hacks podcast. We've been cranking these out and I'm so stoked and I just want to take a brief moment. Normally before the calls, I, I, I give you some of my thoughts, whether you like it or not, but I wanted to use this one to just give a big fat thank you. Thank you to you listening right now because this podcast has been going... Geez, almost two years now, um, and the only reason it has been going still is because of the listeners, right? If no one listened to it, there'd be no point of this. I love talking to these guests and getting their ideas and expertise on, on health, nutrition, motivation, but let's face it, at the end of the day, the reason we do it isn't just for my benefit or their benefit, it's to really reach people like yourself, and so thank you for listening and supporting the show. That's the best way to do it. Um, you know, I started this way back in early college. I started listening to podcasts since high school. Got into it in college, started my own Dude Where's My Health. It was terrible. I put out like 10 episodes and was so nervous before each call. I can remember, uh, I think Sean Croxton was my first interview. And I remember the night before, just had like five pages of these typed up notes and every single question and transition I was going to ask him. And this segue goes into this segue about his book, about his life, about uh, what works good. And I, I just remember planning the whole thing. And it's funny, I found that notebook full of my old interview questions, my old interview stacks. And it's, it's literally like a hundred or so pages just based on that 10 episodes. Um, so it's funny, you know, I, I got all nostalgic looking at it and, um, seeing where the show's going now and we're going to branch into video and really try and take this to the next level and get bigger guests and get, um, just try and rank up on iTunes. And it's all because of, of the support from you guys. So, Thank you for that over the years. Uh, that's all I had to say. Um, if you do want to support the show even more, you want to be a rock star with it, head on over to iTunes. Just drop us a little rating and a review. That helps a ton. Let me tell you, um, I have no clue how the algorithms work on iTunes podcasts, but from what I've been told from the inside sources, right? Um, if you have more ratings or more reviews, you, you get more traffic. And so if you want to help be a part of growing this show and taking it to the next level, we're not asking for donations. We're not asking for any money. We're just asking for five minutes of your time. Go to iTunes page, Paleo Hacks podcast, give it whatever stars, whatever review. I'm not asking for good ones. Even if it's a bad one, I don't care. Just rate the darn thing. Last thing, if you want to get a hold of me, Clark at paleohacks.com is the place to reach me. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yada, 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 and clarkdanger.com. YouTube videos coming too. Check that out. Clark Danger Fitness. I just posted one on New Year's resolutions. So if that's up your alley, go check that one out. Anyway, Stop settling, start living. Are you guys ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go see what my man Jordy has to say. What up, my Paleo Hackers? With me today is my man Jordy. Uh, he's the co-founder at Salt Revolution, a company that's dedicated to changing the way you think about salt one pinch at a time. They sell natural, unrefined sea salt directly to consumers in North America. We've got a podcast also called Salt Revolution where he talks to physicians, doctors, athletes, chefs, you name it, all for the good of salt. Jordy, my man, what is up today? How are you, Clark? It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome to have you on the call. And... and um, before we get diving into salts, I know the first thing people are thinking when they see this and they, they hear what we're going to talk about is 
Why do you need a whole hour or a whole 45 minutes just to talk about salt? Like, what is the point there? How much does it really matter? So kind of like, where was your take on that? Like, why does salt really matter to you? So salt is really um, something that I've become newly acquainted to in the last sort of two to three years uh, since, since my partner and I started this sea salt company. And that's exactly what I would have thought probably like two or three years ago. Salt is salt. I remember having that specific conversation with my business partner in the car. And we're like, you know, what's the big deal? And, you know, of course, now I totally think differently about that. Salt, our bodies don't produce salt. So we need to, any salt that we do get, we actually have to bring it in to our bodies. And you want to make sure that that is the right type of salt. So that's basically what we do and uh it's an incredibly important um topic you know Mm. for health and cooking and everything okay so the person listening at home right now kind of maybe thinking that this is a little excessive to talk about salt for 45 minutes they could really they're really going to benefit a lot because it's like you said something that's very important and affects your overall quality of life what's kind of linked to salt in terms of um, health benefits, like like just overall. I mean, we can get specific later on, but just for the person who we're still talking to, who maybe isn't buying the forty five minute call quite yet. Like, what? Why is salt so so important for them to know about? Well, um, really, it it comes down to um, salt being one of one of our. Um, it's an electric light that our bodies really need, so it's. Because we don't produce it, we have to bring it in, and and it's. Um, I was talking to a physician the other day that basically I asked him that specific question. I said, "How much salt is too much?" Yeah. And, and his and his um, his view was like, you know, I have some patients that come in, and and because um, there's so much out there right now about salt is bad for you, um, you know, cut salt out of your diet and everything. They come in with actual salt deficiencies and he gives, he can uh, give them like, okay, first of all, start eating salt. And, and when I ask him, well, how much do you know? And he says, when your food is too salty, you know, you've had too much. Mm. So it's like, it's self-regulating. So, you know, you know what happens when you over salt your food. Um, awful. Yeah, it tastes terrible. I'll probably do so, that tomorrow, though, Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, he, he, and he was a physician. He's been, you know, whatever. So he studies it as well. And, yeah. Uh, on the sports side, um, you know, he recommends to, to his athletes to take um, salt packets when, when they're dehydrated or salting um, their drinks. Um, not doing things like Gatorade, getting electrolytes from Gatorade, mm. but actually like controlling and understanding what you're actually putting in. So, um, you know, I was really surprised by that. Every time I talk to one of these guys, I'm totally surprised yeah. when I find more about um, salt and how it's not bad for you. So what I'm, hear- and- what I'm hearing is uh, there's a lot of myths out there on salt. It's not yeah. bad. We need it. We actually don't produce it. If we don't get it, we die. It's very important for our energy, our function, our moods, every athletic performance, like you said, with the athlete, and that people are kind of scared of it. People have been inundated with this uh, salt myth floating around out there. Is that kind of what you were saying? 
Definitely. And so what, what I think was going on is a lot of this salt, um, a lot of the salt scary news that was coming out was kind of like in the early 70s. And so that's sort of around the same time when, you know, sort of people were moving to processed foods. You know, they sort of in the 50s, um, you know, people are moving, you know, there's a lot of farming and stuff. But by the time the 70s come around, McDonald's is becoming a major factor in American diets. Um, all of these processed foods, big corporations are sort of moving in and taking over mm. um, the American, you know, sort of dinner table. And there's salt in those foods. So what the FDA was saying back then is that, listen, there's so much salt in these processed foods, you don't need to add salt. And so uh, in, in that regard, you can look at it like that's, that's true. But now here we are in the 90s, in the 2000s, 2014, people are, or at least the people that are my listeners and probably your listeners are not eating those processed foods. So they're not getting any salt because they're not salting their food. Mm. So if you go, if you go to Whole Foods and you're buying all your foods and you're not putting salt in it, then you ha you have probably have a salt deficient diet that you don't need to worry yeah. about putting. You know, like oh, salt is bad for you. Isn't it funny how those myths just perpetuate over time? Like someone way back in the fifties or sixties or whatever thought that uh you know something clogged your arteries and now it's still taken years and years and decades to like get that out of the mainstream and it's just starting to get out of there and then like salt too i mean sure like if you eat the salt with the umbrella on the front the ionized table salt like it's going to be pretty mm -hmm. bad but now it's uh, the more research and like the stuff you guys are doing at salt revolutions coming out and trying to really um push back on some of those beliefs people have been carrying around for 20 or 30 years so do you run into that when you start talking about salt do you get the uh, i don't know frequently asked questions or attacks when people want to go to high blood pressure and you know all the reasons why salt is bad is that something you see well you know it it is and it isn't so people are pretty accepting that salt is is actually not that bad for you um what they what they find is that they are surprised at that there's different types of salts so, for example, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about pink Himalayan sea salt mm. later on and then commercial sea salt. Um, so people will think, well, I eat sea salt and um, even salts that you, you know, like commercial sea salts, even in places like Whole Foods, yeah. is that they are still even refined. So the big difference between the salt that we, we produce and commercial sea salt is that those salts are still refined and because it. The biggest problem that I come across as being uh, someone that sells a natural sea salt is people can't get used to the moisture. Mm. And, and so they want the salt to be like, you know, in a, you know, in a grinder that's nice and dry and they can shake it out of a grinder yeah. and put a couple of grains of rice in it. That's the kind of stuff that we're saying is bad you know, go for a natural sea salt and you don't need to grind it. Just pinch it right out of a bowl. So, um, so, so yeah, so okay. we definitely get that. So back, back up for a second. This is really fascinating. I think this is like the heart of, um, everything we're talking about is kind of what salt to avoid and what salt to go after. Um, so assuming the person's convinced listening right now and they know that salt is something they need 
and they it is very important and they want to start adding it in. Um, we're talking about the right and wrong kinds of salt here. So what, what kind of on, in your mind is the wrong kind of salt? Let's start there. So the wrong kind of salt is the, is the refined salt in, in, you know, in the, in the short sense, it's the refined salt. It's basically 99.97 sodium chloride. And so that Mm. would be, um, so something like Morton's, which um, was actually bought uh, a few years ago by a fertilizer company and Dow Chemicals associated Dang. with it. So it's almost like a byproduct of like, it, you know, sort of an industrial process where you end up with pure sodium um, as, you know, as that salt. Mm. And so um, the salts that are sort of artisanal salts and um, the Himalayan pink salt would be one, although um, that actually comes out of a mine in Pakistan. Um, so that would that would be sort of like ninety five, ninety six percent sodium. Um, Wait, so I'm sorry, you're saying the Himalayan salt is is on the bad side? No, it's not on the bad. Oh, okay. Side. It's so it's 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 on the good side, but um, oh, you're just giving an example. Of, yeah, exactly. Okay. So. Bad salts are the ones that are going to be like pure sodium chloride, like ninety nine point nine. So that would anything that's refined. So commercial sea salt. Um, what do you mean by refined? I, Sorry, I just want to define so that refining, for people. The refining is like when they bleach it, basically. Okay. So they use um, chemicals to make it dry. Okay. So so that it's it's dry and it's you know I mean think about like I always think about the nice. Um, in your mind, you think about a nice, lovely, dry white salt that comes pouring out of a shaker in the diner, right? That's the stuff that's bad. So it's it's small. It almost looks like sugar. Yeah. So the good salts, um, you know, you can almost look at them in your hand, and if they're not, it doesn't look like sugar, and it's, you know, sort of, it needs to be ground because it's bigger chunks and crystals. That's the stuff that, you know, if you were going to do a, an easy test between good salts and bad salts. That's the way to look at it. Okay. I mean, we all know what um, a refined salt looks like sitting on the diner um, in the salt shaker. That's the stuff that's bad. Absolutely. And so what percentage of people do you think are still using that salt? I mean, it's, I go, I go to my friend's houses and like um, to go on a little rant here, I think this is really a cool topic because it's such an easy fix. It's literally as simple as buying something, and it's like one of the one things you can buy that makes you happy. It's like all those garbage supplements people waste their money on and stuff that do nothing for them, and they're hoping it's like a magic pill. Well, this is as close as it gets to like the magic pill, and that is switching to the right salt. So it just blows me away when people are still using um, the old stuff and 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 using it like sugar. And so... Um, I guess to get going now on like the right kinds of salt, if people want to avoid the refined stuff, that's like 99%, um, you know, bleached and, and refined and all that jazz. Um, what are some of the good kind and like, what do people look for? So the good kinds again would be, um, um, you know, all there's, there's, there's a, uh, one of our partners has got a store. He's, um, wrote this book called, uh, salt, the world's most es- essential mineral. Uh, his name is Mark Bitterman. He's got a store in Portland, Oregon, in New York city called the meadow. And, um, 
he basically, I did an interview with him a couple months back and he's got like 300 different types of salts and they, and now as someone that's in that market, um, you know, I'm always looking around for what's out there. So there's like French fleur de cells, there's, um, Hawaiian black salts, mm. Uh, there's Balinese um, salts that are sort of like uh, um, a brownish color, um, and then Himalayan pink salts, which is the one that everyone knows about. And then there's natural um, coarse sea salt, which is the one that 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 we sell. And so those, I mean, if you look at salts, you should see that they're not fine white crystals basically they have color it's okay you can't always shake them out of a shaker um, the sea salts for the most part they can be ground but you'd you might have to grind them out because sea salt in its natural form um is moist and so that's the biggest thing my biggest thing is uh, you know as you know talking to our customers is like well you know it's like sticking to the back mm. um it's like well you know just Pinch it out. You don't need to grind it. Just pinch it in your fingertips. Um, so that's that's how we how we sort of describe it to our market. Okay. And so you're looking for color. You're looking for the coarse, um, non refined, non sugar looking stuff. You you want it to have some color and you want it to have some uh, sustenance in there. So um, in terms of like different kinds of salts, I mean, you mentioned there was that store that had 300 kinds, do they all offer something a little different? Like is the properties in them and the benefits people would get out of a Himalayan salt different from they would get from a natural sea salt? Definitely. And so this guy, Mark Bitterman, if people are really interested in the, in, in the subject is way, he knows way more about it than I do. Um, and there's a great book on Amazon called salted. And there's another one that's called history of salt, but the one that I think is personally is better is Mark's book, um, Salted. And, and he actually has recipes that go through like, okay, this one, this salt is the best for this type of meal. So I'll give you an example for Himalayan um, pink salt. Um, it, it's a drier salt, so um, it needs to be ground. So but what that means is when you put, when you put it on foods, it will actually dissolve. So it actually makes your food salty, but it's it's not gonna it's not gonna have a crunch to it. So that may be appropriate for certain dishes and for certain people that may like that. So um, we actually looked at at sourcing Himalayan pink salt, as you know, because people were saying, "Well, do you have pink Himalayan salt?" And we decided to not go down that route, just because when I when we looked more into the Himalayan pink salt, it was like. You know, the fact that it comes from a mine kind of bugged me. Really? Um, but again, I, you know, we took, there's, you know, I talked to Mark about it and he was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's a fine salt um, and he sells it. Um, we just decided not to sell it. Does it all come from the same mine, like in the Himalayas, I would there's assume? There's a big district. I don't know about it, if all of it does, but it's it's called the Kura. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kura Salt Mine in Pakistan. So oh, it's okay. Like, and so, you know, you always think like, oh, Himalayan, I mean, brilliant marketers, yeah. you know, they lands. But when I looked at where the mine was, you know, it looked like it was like in Dang. like scrubby sort of sage. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you know, like it looked like it was in, um, like you know, in the desert. The place of. they would avoid in the documentary where they're showing you where the salt comes from. <laughs> 
exactly. take you around the back entrance and show you the lake instead. Oh man. So I ordered, um, like a year or two ago, I ordered a, f- I think it was an 11 pound bag of Himalayan sea. Uh, I always want to say sea salt, but it's not sea salt, Himalayan salt. And yeah, I'm, pink salt. yeah, pink salt. I'm still using it today. I mean, the thing lasts, but after, after this, I think I'll probably look into, um, some more other salts. So if I were to start switching over from like a Himalayan salt um, to a different kind of salt, where would be your go-to? What's like kind of your favorite salt out there? Well, I mean, I gotta be honest with you, since I supply salt, I only use our salt. So of course I'm biased. Um, and it's, but I would look for the words natural unrefined sea salt. So I have a, and I'm the same with you. I have a bag of our salt that, um, now I don't use any other salt, um, but it lasts forever. And so, it, you know, when people go from, say, refined salt, um, you know, maybe your listeners are using pink Himalayan salt, but there is definitely a shock because the natural unrefined sea salt is like, whoa, it's like 25 bucks a bag. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. But then, you know, what I say is like, well, you know, I've had a, I've had a bag that lasts me like three, four months, you know? And yeah. Then, Thirty dollars over over the course of like three four months when you you're pinching it a couple of pinches at a time it's really um, uh, it's cheap a couple pennies per pinch so um, that's the biggest thing we get is like so if you're looking to switch from um, refined salt or from a pink a Himalayan pink salt look for the words natural and unrefined that's that's really and then sea salt is yeah um, it's funny the perspective on um people and I catch myself doing this all the time. So I'm not above it, but like we, um, you know, we complain about the price of something when realistically, like when you stop and think about the fact that you're getting, let's just use Himalayan salt from Pakistan shipped to your house all the way around the world. And you have to pay like maybe an extra $10 and we want to complain about it. It's just so funny. It's like, uh, we couldn't have done that 50, 60 years ago. It's just the luxury of it. And you know, it's just um, one of those kind of perspective issues. Like I find myself going out and buying, I don't know, whatever the heck supplement I don't use that sits on my counter or like an herb or something, never use it again. But the salt, I'm telling you, I use it every single day, three, four, five times a day. And so I really think um, to kind of go on that point, starting to sound like a marketing sales pitch here, but I think it's it's worth it. Yeah. Totally. And, and that's what we're now getting. We're getting a lot less um, resistance, especially from the people that have bought from us before. They're like, and they even like are now sort of telling, um, let's say there's a debate in, in Facebook or something on some posts that we have. And, and somebody that's new coming in that's getting this sort of sticker shock. Um, and then our clients are, you know, the, the people that have bought from us is like, trust me, I'll never go back. Um, is, you know, just because it's, it, it transforms our food. And like, I never knew that salt was not just salt. Mm. Have you heard of any stories or any, um, kind of one eighties where people maybe switched salts and their health improved? Yeah, we have definitely. Um, there's been, we've, um, we've got people, one guy was saying, um, um, something like weight, retention, um, hypertension, things like that. People, um, have solved, uh, 
problems from using salt. I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to prescribe anyone to go out and get salt, but we definitely have people, you know, like people complaining, complaining about like, um, joint pains, yeah. uh, things like that, swelling in their fingers and things like that. And they start, they switch from a refined salt or just not even salting their food to using a natural sea salt and, you know, all kinds of crazy things that we hear. Okay. And those kind of reduce or, or, or go away. I mean, it's just amazing what, uh, I think everyone listening knows the value of nutrition and, um, they, they value the changes that can come from it. Um, yeah. And it's probably, and it could be subtle. I mean, um, uh, you know, if just trying something's not going to hurt you, you know, so go in and just try it and, and see for yourself is, is what we would say. If you have some, maybe some health concerns, um, you know, I'm certainly not going to go against what any physician has specifically told someone, but mm. people that try it say, well, you know, they love it and it's changed, you know, their food and, you know, in some aspects, probably their health. So, Jordy, uh, I need your take on something. It's um, what I've been doing for like, I don't know, a year or so. Um, I heard Paul Check talking about it once and it really, I was like, okay, I'll try this. And I feel like I have more energy. I feel more alert. I feel um less cravings it just feels better i uh started putting like a pinch or two of himalayan salt in my water and i just kind of it just kind of like thickens it out it gives it more of a minerally taste not to where you can literally taste the salt and you think it's salty but to where it's just got a little more body a little more texture to it um and i sip on that throughout the day have you experimented with adding salt to your drinking water at all you know, I haven't done it to my water, but what I recently started doing is adding it to my smoothies. And um, and I've I've talked to in in our podcast, I talked to two guys in particular that told me that. Do you know Yuri Elkane? Yeah, I know Yuri. He's doing yeah. He yeah, came on the show all day. And yeah, superfood guy, right? Totally. So Yuri was the one that first gave me that idea, and so what he said is, um, add um. um Lemon, uh, sorry, he was saying lemon or maybe it was lime. And, you know, we're from Mexico, so lime, of course. Yeah, know, like lime, every, lima, and yeah. Right, exactly. So so lime and salt. So I started doing lime and salt in my smoothies, and I was like, huh, you know, you would never think. I'm having a strawberry and banana smoothie. And I was like, what do you think about that? It's like, we'll put a little, like, spinach in it, put some, um, some kale or something like that, um, and then – put in the salt and the lime and what that does is actually acts as a flavor enhancer so if you're having a sweet smoothie you know obviously you're not pouring in like heap huge heaping spoons but you know a good pinch um something that you would i call it like a two-finger pinch Mm. put it in your smoothie and actually you can't taste it and um i love it and ever since yuri told me that i've been doing which is probably about two months now and so um that because i don't like not all the times I may have the opportunity to salt my foods during the day, but I, I purposely try and salt uh, my smoothies in the morning so that I know I'm getting the, the salt because I, you know, I don't eat processed foods. For sure. So you mentioned that um, you sh- earlier in the call you should add salt and it's self-regulating. And so when your food tastes salty or when you feel like you've had too much salt, just stop. But aside from that, you know, the person in listening right now who's ready to find the high quality salt. They're ready to make the switch. We've convinced them they're on board. 
how do they go about adding natural salts into their diet? What's kind of like a suggested thing you tell people who are interested in that? Well, first of all, I think it means you just got to, you got to have some on hand. So, um, so whether you where I'm sure at, um, whole foods, you can get it. We certainly offer it. Mark Bitterman, there's, there's, um, at his store, uh, has great salts. Um, so you can find it on Amazon as long as you're typing in natural and unrefined sea salt, um, and, and just look to see where, where you're getting it from. Um, do you have, do you have you like have, any brands off the top of your head, but, um, your own, obviously you can, yes, you can plug it. Our, so ours is Aztec sea salt. Okay. Um, and, um, some other good ones would be, um, um, actually I don't go by brands to be honest. Okay. Uh, but I would just, if, if I was looking for some, I would probably start by going to Amazon and, um, doing natural unrefined sea salt. Okay. And you said like an Aztec brand is a good starter one. Yeah. So Aztec sea salt is, um, is really, you know, is good. And then fleur de sol is a good one. Like if you can do the French spelling or the Spanish spelling, which is F O uh, F L O R de sal, um, three words. And, um, that's a really good salt. So that's a finer salt. Um, and I don't actually use it as much because I like to have a crunch. Um, so the coarse salt is the salt that I, I personally prefer. And, um, you know, so I just pinch it right out of a bowl. Uh, so let's, if you're, uh, I'm not paleo myself, but, I, you know, I know loosely what's going on with the principles of the diet. Um, so if, let's say if you're salting your foods and you just salt, uh, I don't salt while I cook. Um, what I, what we recommend to our customers is you use, use it as a finishing salt so that you can taste the salt and you can see it. And, and so, um, like for example, one of the biggest things for me is like a, like a soft hard boiled egg and you put it just like roll it around in a little bit of salt and you get like this crunch from the sea salt and it's like totally transforms the, 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 you know, the egg. Mm. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so you just kind of work it in over time, and and um, you go about it, and you get the good salt, and then you go from there. So, okay, the next thing I kind of wanted to um, ask you while I have you here is a lot of people are in this weird space of where they love listening to health podcasts like this. They love listening to like your show. They're interested in the health business, and they want to pursue it more. I know you have a big background in... Um, entrepreneurship, business, um, and clearly enough to, you know, make a good business out of selling salt. Um, so kind of what, if someone's listening to this and they're curious about how to crack into the online space or just the health field in general, do you have any like tips from a business standpoint to them? Yeah, definitely. Um, for a while, I was um, I was actually a business coach. I stopped doing it at probably about six or seven months ago. But um, um, when I get that question, what what I usually tell people is to I like I'm a big um, like passion guy. So meaning like um, follow your passions. Uh, so find something that you're interested in, and if it's health, um, something that you're good at, and that's what I like to go. I like to go in the direction of of something that I really enjoy doing. Mm. Um, and the reason is, um, uh, I, I've been in businesses and I've done things 
you know, specifically just to get money. But that ends up being really not very fulfilling after you get like three years and you get over the hump and you're sort of able to pay your bills easily. You find yourself like, you know, this is not something I, I sort of dread speaking to my customers mm. and things like that. So that's that's the first thing I would I would um, recommend is make sure it's something that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. And it's in a space where you, you're going to be really excited to talk to your customers on a daily basis because this, be this may be something that you may be doing for 20 years, mm. you know. Yeah. So I like to think of the end um, objective before I even st- you know, would want to go into a venture. So that, that would be one thing. And then the money is sort of secondary. But if you have like a really strong passion for something, I think it's going to help you get through those sort of ups and downs of being an entrepreneur because you're, it's like something you really believe in. Yeah, that's, and that's a great way to start. I love what you just said there with passion. One of the best pieces of advice I got um, in college when I was still kind of scratching my head trying to crack into like online business um, and at least start part-time in that, start something, is um, one of my teachers said, what would you pay to do? What would you pay to talk about? What would you pay to go to a class on? What would you put up money for to do? Whether it be surfing, whether it be uh, podcasts and going to health seminars, whether it be writing books, whether it be playing music, anything in that, you know, or creating technology apps in the startup field. Like, what would you pay to do? And then the next question is, how do you get paid to do it? And it's like the, yeah. those two things, I think, open a lot of doors and get people, get the gear spinning. Is that something you kind of give your um, clients that you work with? Definitely. And so um, uh, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, um, if, if, you're, if you're interested in, in something like that, you will be able to get through those, those sorts of times because as an entrepreneur and especially as someone that um, it, is just getting going, you're going to be able to sort of power through that stuff. So if you're interested in, say, you know, health or whatever it is, um, get into that and then niche it down. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously it doesn't get more niche down than salt yeah. for us. And <laughs> yeah, you guys, so you guys was, took it to the next level, didn't you? Yeah. So that's all we do. And so we, right now, all we have is salt and we sell one thing, one type of salt. Um, and so, you know, um, we've now become very passionate about it. So it's, um, it's, it's a joy coming to work and working on that project. And, um, it, you know, it helps you when you get, uh, you, you know, kind of like, well, you know, why am I doing this? Cause I've been there. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, what I'm doing, you know, like what am I really doing? Um, yeah, so that's the big thing. And then also, you know, if you're, if you're in a position where you're sort of working a corporate job, I would say start something on the side okay. and start it small. Good. Um, and then, and so that you're, you know, I would never really recommend just like leaving that corporate job. Yes. Say, okay, I'm really passionate about surfing. I'm going to, you know, get something going and prove a business model before you um, leave like, you know, the security of some other employment. Damn, dude, I'm so glad you said that because I think that's one of the most, um, almost, I don't know, biggest myths out there is that people who want to do entrepreneurship, they want to do something, um, they got to burn the ships, right? That Napoleon Hill story where, you know, Cortez is there and he burns the ships and then they win and they conquer people a thousand times their army because they had no other escape route. 
And like that gets thrown around and used and people want to attach to that and say, all right, I'm going to burn my ships and, you know, cash out this job. And then they're left with like one or two months of rent and they got like kids and a family. I've heard stories that are just awful. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's almost that balance, that middle ground between going all in and totally kind of dogging it right there in the middle is, is like that part where you can start something. It can fuel you. You can be passionate about it. Um, but you don't have to necessarily burn all your ships. Is that kind of what you're talking about is maybe playing? It, yeah. What I would say is there can be a time to burn the ships and I've done that. Um, going but what when i think the time to burn the ships is when you know something has potential so don't just like leave a corporate job um because that's really like you're you're like burning your ships in the middle of the ocean yeah right yeah i'm talking about burning the ships when you can at least see land Mm. so so you started um you start something if you got a corporate job for example and uh um and and you start something on the side, not doing anything unethical, of course. You do it outside work and, you know, one, two hours a day. Go and, into your work and get paid to start yeah, your own business. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, so, so And then you prove a business model and you're like, you've, let's say you've got 15, 20 customers that say, yeah, you've got something that's great. You may even have, um, you know, half of the money that you need to be able to survive. And says, okay, I'm doing this two hours a day. Mm. I switch over into this, you know, eight hours a day, I think I can make up. And then, then you're kind of burning your ships at least. Okay. You've proved a model. Okay. So it sounds like to recap for the person listening, we got a find something you're super passionate about. B find who's willing to pay for it. How do you get paid to serve those people? C Mm -hmm. kind of find like niche it down, get into the space you want to be. And then D is kind of start something on the side. And then once it gets going, really burn the ships. But um, there's kind of almost like a like a missing link in there somehow. And I, I want your take on it. What do you think about platform wise? Like, what do you see as the best way, the best medium to get your message out there and to start finding and connecting with people? So um, I actually I actually right now um, believe that Amazon is a good way to, to get going. Um, because buyers are there, it's relatively easy mm. to start something on Amazon um, because you can, you, you know, you don't have to go out and spend a ton of money, um, you know, promoting and, and if you, especially if you don't have a background in marketing. Okay. Um, so Amazon's a good platform. I would definitely recommend um, listening to, you know, following someone that knows what they're talking about because um, it's also, you know, you can get buried on Amazon and it's definitely not a platform where you can just like throw something up and then walk away from it. Yeah. You have to try to promote it and optimize. And um, But I think, you know, relatively you could get something going for inexpensively uh, in today's market. I mean, I don't know um, – you know, Amazon in two years, that may not be the case, but it may be something else. Let's say it's Etsy or something yeah, like that. So yeah. I like those types of platforms to sort of launch and you prove a business model and you can prove that you've got something that's better um, than the competition. And then you, that if I was going to do that, that's probably the way I would do okay. it. So you launch on Amazon, get something going, get some cash flow, and then break off and, um, you know, find you know, whatever, get, get, launch your own platform and, um, however you, however you, 
uh, do your sales and marketing. There's different strategies for that as well. But that's that would be the platform that I would do. So it sounds like you're a big fan of the physical goods, actually getting something on the marketplace and selling it, and having like the physic the you know uh, the physical component of shipping and buying. And you found that to be really successful. Yeah, but I mean, you can even do it with books um, as well. So if you're something, I mean, uh, launching a book is perfect example of something you you do it on the side, do some writing, um, and uh, you could launch a book, and then you build a you build a following, and then you go and you launch, and you have you know you launch from there your whatever product or business that you wanted to do. Um, So I'm not an info products guy. Yeah. um, So and I've never done one. Um, so that's, I mean, obviously, um, that could be another platform and then, you know, just building a community starting, you know, you could go on Udemy or something like that somewhere where the the people are already there. That's what, that's what we do. Um, and I've done that as well, like the info products and the package deals and those work. But if anyone's listening right now and it's like their first business endeavor, they have no, tribe as seth godin calls it or they have no audience or no community to like give something to don't think that you're going to create a product and people are going to be lining up to buy it like p90x right i mean it's it's totally different than we think um so i i kind of like what you're saying if i'm hearing it right and that is to maybe if you don't have anything start with creating content or creating credibility or 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 maybe even launching a product and start building that group that's right. That's, and, and go to a platform where there's already buyers. Okay. So, for example, uh, Amazon or Etsy or Udemy, at least you have people there that are looking for um, products, um, whatever it is, a service, um, you know, is it, that so that there you're not like sort of, a, you know, just throwing up a website and kind of, um, you know, sort of lost in, in the noise. Okay. And before we kind of conclude this, do you follow anyone or have any good resources for people who are inspired now to like learn more about maybe online business or just business in general and how to start that and take it to the next level? Yeah, so big guy, a big um, platform that I follow for business is Mixergy. Um, what what is, uh, what is it again? It's called Mixergy.com. So, um, and it's, it's, um, it's basically like a site for entrepreneurs and it's a, a guy by the name of Andrew Warner, who's really good at doing, um, interviews with people, you know, like you and I basically. And, and also, um, he's got, he does probably one a week. It's, Mm. it's, he's probably got 500 interviews there. And so a lot of the times he dives in and talks about specific business, um, situations. So if you're, say, interested in learning about Facebook advertising, you could go to Mixergy.com and probably, you know, listen to, you know, 20 interviews on guys that are experts in that. Okay. Or if it's, there's, there would be health ones there. Um, I'm sure Yuri is there. Uh, um, you know, so anything that you're interested, I like going there. Another one that I like is um, Entrepreneur on Fire. There's a podcast with a guy by the name of John Lee Dumas. Um, also really enthusiastic, smart guy, you know, and he does like one every day. So he's got, you know, another hundreds of shows. Um, those are two really good places to start. Okay. And that's really cool. I mean, I think that's, people have this idea that they're not actually 
starting their business or starting their next working towards their dreams until they actually launch and they have this physical product in front of them and or they they've written their book and it's sitting there and they can give it to someone but i think that's a you know the point of view of maybe viewing it as progress like listening to those shows or going to mixergy.com and and listening to what you're talking about that is your business right there that's taking a step that's learning that's growing that's um everything you need to eventually get to where you want to be so i think that's a good place to um send people absolutely and it's important obviously to do something not just any action whether it's right or wrong at least you're you're you know you're doing action right right love it jordy thanks so much for coming on talking about salts and business um real quick for the people out there who want to order your salt and and check it out where's the best place to find that so there's um you can go to our story which would be join the dot salt revolution dot com uh forward slash our story um that's like sort of our main story on how we got going with the salt and www.saltrevolution.com um, is is our corporate website with my podcast. Okay. Um, and then if somebody wanted to read up on the book about salt and everything that you wanted to know about salt, a mm-hmm. uh, great book by Mark Bitterman on Amazon um, called Salted, the World's Most Essential Mineral and other recipes or something. It's a long title, but it's basically called salt. Okay. And did you say you had your salts on Amazon if they wanted to order that? Yes. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Just search for Aztec Sea Salt. Okay. Um, So Amazon.com. Let me do it real quick just so we get the right one. And then, okay, I'm on Amazon, and I search Aztec Sea Salt. You should see um, three There's three different types of bags. Okay. And which one are you guys? We're all three. Okay. Sorry if this is a buzzkill, everyone. I just want to make sure I'm sending you to the right one. There we go. I like it. I like the live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this isn't edited, man. This is. Oh, there you guys are. Okay, I see yeah. it. It's a black and white. Yeah, that's a sick bag, man. It's got like the sun in the middle. I like the vibe of that. That's cool. Okay. Well, cool. Now I know it's 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 legit, and I see what you're talking about. Good quality photos. Mm, what is that? Like a stir fry? Yeah. Yeah. Mouth watering. All right, Jordy. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate your time. All right, it's my pleasure. To End it right there. Boom. Cool, buddy. Appreciate your time, man. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I guess say you're pretty good if you can just come in and wing that like that. I, I, I'm not nearly that comfortable when I do mine. I got questions all lined up and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was good. Yeah. I mean, um, you know what? I've I've been doing this for two years, which isn't by any means a long time, but I found that like. Because I used to I used to script it out, man. I can show you notes I had from my first few calls where literally it was three pages, exactly how I wanted to ask the question, if they gave me a response, what I would transition with. And like, I don't know, the energy of those just seemed like I was putting on a show. It seemed like I was like that corny news anchor who talks, you know, in that weird 
I don't know, yeah. voice, and that just wasn't me. Um, I almost find, like, the energy and the spontaneity of, like, going in with nothing and just yeah. letting it flow is kind of what keeps me yeah. what keeps me doing it, not boring. I know, I think it's good. And and what I usually try and do is have, like, six or seven questions so so that I at least, like, oh, my God, like... yeah. Guys, like going quiet. Good. I better have something, you know. Good. Yeah, that's so. that. That's exactly how I like to do it too. Um, yeah. Like and talking then, points yeah. instead of like yeah. direct questions. Talking points are legit. Like I wanted to know. I wanted to ask you about good and bad salt. I wanted to ask you about maybe some myths. I want to ask you about some business. That was like pretty much it. Yeah, that's good. So, um, how many shows do you do? I is it just this one? Um, yeah, I do the Paler Hacks podcast. Um, which I've been doing with them for two years. And I transitioned from my own show that was like, it was an awful show, I'll be honest. It was called Dude, Where's My Health? And uh, it was like a picture of me with lettuce coming out. And I was super nervous interviewing all these people. But it eventually landed me this. And I I love working with these guys. Um, And then I I, kind of started this um, more men's coaching, lifestyle coaching podcast Mm -hmm. where i talk more about personal development and um you know becoming a better person outside of just what you put in your mouth um like Mm -hmm. the thoughts you think and the energy you take in but um i don't know i kind of had a change of heart i just got so much stuff going on man and i felt like i was spreading myself too thin i'm sure you can relate to like the online space of just you got to really concentrate your energy to make it count yeah totally i started to chuck projects yeah and now I just the, the less the better, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, you just focus, and I, I can't imagine like going back to having too much stuff going on because it's stressful. Yes, you know? so stressful, man. And um, I don't know, like, what do you think then? So when you chuck a project, do you feel like it's kind of a waste, and do you feel kind of like you're a little down on yourself, like you quit something? No, no way. I'm just like it's a relief. I'm, you know, and you you learn every time you do something. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so I, I've learned, and um, you know, it's, it's it's made it's just made my quality of life so much better by having less mm. to you know, less to worry about and being able to focus more. And I, you know, you can put so much better energy into it if you if you have less to work on. And so yeah, uh, yeah, 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 you're able to concentrate it. Yeah, yeah. So, so do you?